Welcome to Followership with Ryan Leak, a podcast designed to equip you with the tools you need to succeed in the workplace. Hey, here's the deal. I don't know what kind of leader you work for or are following. Maybe they're good. Maybe they're excellent. Maybe they're mediocre. But here's the good news. Regardless of the kind of leader you have, it doesn't have to determine the type of follower you can become. And I'm so excited to have my friend, Brandon Barkley, on Followership with Ryan Lee today. He works in player relations for the Dallas Mavericks. And today, we're going to be talking about the confidence that you need when speaking with a manager and also the importance of embodying your work culture. You can get all of the show notes from today's episode on ryanleek.com slash followership. And without any further ado, I want to jump into a conversation I had with my friend, Brandon Barkley. Thank you so much for your time. It's an honor to have you on Followership with Ryan Leak. How you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Just taking it a day at a time, but I'm doing fantastic. Very blessed. Uh, how are you doing? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing really well because I get to uh, have a conversation with one of my good friends. We, I, I love all of our conversations. This is the first one that's ever recorded. <laughs> so, uh, but we, we've had so many about basketball, about life, about leadership. And today we're talking about followership. And man, I, when I think about what followership means and what it means to be a good follower and to, to represent an organization well, Dude, I think of you. I think you you completely embody that so well. And even in your role that I want you to talk about here in a little bit, it is a very delicate role where you are uh, constantly representing high-profile players and you're also representing a high-profile organization. And there's there's a lot of dancing in that. I think you're an incredible leader. But what I really see in you is, man, you you've been able to really follow well um, there's so many incredible leaders that you and I both have gotten to work with, um, with the Mavericks. And I've just seen you navigate so, so many different situations very well. And so kudos to you, man. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm just very, very excited to have you on today. So then the first question I would ask for you, just for our listeners to even get an understanding of what it is you do, tell us a little bit what it means to be the player relations Manager, I don't think people even, I mean, people go, okay, he works with the players, but what, what does that look like for you on a daily basis? Man, that's a great question. And and one I get uh, quite a bit, to be honest with you, like when, when I tell people what I do, like, okay, it sounds kind of cool, but what, what exactly do you do? I'd say in the simplest terms, I basically am what you would call a liaison between the players and what would be called like basketball ops, um, you know, anybody that kind of w- within the game day side right. of things that, you know, plays on the team, maybe coaches, things of that nature. I'm the liaison between those uh, individuals and the business office. So when we're talking about, you know, our ticket sales department, our sponsorship department, our community, things that we do out with the Mavs Foundation, uh, things we do with our basketball academy, our camps, uh, where players or coaches might be involved on that. Um, basically, I'm the person that is helping getting those things organized, um, really talking things up to the players and the coaches as well, and making it um, basically just trying to make sure yeah. I help the Mavs any way I can. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things that I didn't know until I met you was the amount of events that <laughs> each player has to do 
And I didn't even realize that there was a difference between the Dallas Mavericks and the Mavs Foundation and just how how much the Mavericks are doing uh, in the DFW area. I mean, like once we we started hanging out and started working together, I'm sitting there like, dude, you're always doing an event. Can you explain to our listeners how that even works within the NBA? Because I don't think people people understand like you just say hey yeah i coordinate some events i don't think people understand how many events you're coordinating and the mavs are coordinating on a yearly basis oh yeah i mean it's it's incredible when you really sit down and and break it down so um as you know probably your 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 basic sports fan might not understand but you know most um sports leagues have what's called a cba like a collective bargaining agreement uh, so within the NBA and this, you can actually just Google it and they have the whole thing online and it's a lot of pages, but within that there's, you know, requirements, you know, for players to go out and do appearances, um, usually kind of based upon a, a sponsorship and community are probably the two heavy hitters, I'd say. Um, so there's a number that they need to do every year, um, both from a full complete group and team side and then individuals. I mean, it's basically the NBA wants their players to be active and sure. uh, continue to be faces in their communities and their, in their teams. Um, so within that, you know, you have 15 guys, I mean, and sometimes 17, if you add in your uh, two way players mm-hmm. and all those guys have to do those appearances. So what's beautiful is the Mavs and most other franchises have a ton of different events, whether it be uh, season ticket member events, uh, sponsorship uh, appearances for their various sponsors, you know, that you, whether you see it on their Jersey patch or on the courts, all those yep. uh, companies are sponsors. Um, and then we are blessed enough to have our own foundation also with community efforts. And then we also have uh, a basketball Academy that affords players opportunities to go out and, and be around kids. So I'd say last season, we, we typically do, you know, just about every season, at least a hundred to 150 events. Ooh. Um, total. So it's, it's a lot. That's, that's most of the year. It's like, it's like a, more than a third of the year. It's uh it's every day. And then, you know, there's it, it ebbs and flows just like just about anything. Um, but you know, when it's busy, it's busy. I mean, I've had weeks where I've had two weeks where maybe there was 10 appearances. So, I mean, maybe three or four days where there wasn't wow. something, but, um, it's a lot, you know, there's days where there's two or three in one day, so, wow. <laughs> you know, you get used to I know. it for sure. Well, we, we've been on the phone a couple of times where you were on the way to an event and I'm like, what, how, well, well, when do you get back? Well, I got another event to go to. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll catch you tomorrow. <laughs> so has it, has it been that way in COVID still? Like, are they, are, I mean, how many events can, can the guys possibly do? I mean, are these, are they just doing like surprise zooms for kids or like, what's that kind of look like for you? That's a great question. And yes, like the, I'd say uh, again, ebb and flow, but when COVID first hit, um, you know, the Mavericks being the Mavericks, they thought, how can we be creative and still keeping our players front facing? So Mm -hmm. we did a lot, man. And I'd say a lot of it was surrounding social media, Mm -hmm. but we just did a lot of things and the players just always were in in the front of all those things. So we did that. We did a lot of hospital visits. We did uh, a lot of zoom calls. Mm -hmm. Zoom probably got a lot of stock. uh, Oh yeah. Their value probably went up quite a bit. (laughs) Oh, it did. Oh yeah. Uh huh. So we did a lot of that. um, And then just a lot of um, trying to figure out how to engage in the community. We, you know, social justice was a major theme of what a lot of what we did to helping the frontline workers, um, 
a lot of Mavs players donated money, time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cleaned up Dallas. So we did a couple of things physically too, but we did a lot of virtual. So it was, we, we stayed busy, which was awesome because then I was able to obviously continue to do what I do and uh, really didn't slow down too much over the, uh, over COVID. Man, one of the things I don't, I don't think people often truly understand about any sports organization. And I, and I really didn't, I really didn't understand it until, until working with the Mavs a little bit. It's amazing the pace that you guys run at and how quickly you have to adapt on the fly. You're constantly responding to requests. I'm, I'm amazed at specifically your ability to pivot. You, you are, uh, for, for, for all our listeners out there, if you ever get a position where you are uh, a player, relations manager your inbox will be full (laughs) with requests for (laughs) autographs for locker room access for i mean it is a it is a constant thing and uh, but dude I've, i've watched you just navigate that whole thing with so much professionalism and you're often game day last minute at an event, you're asked to do something that is either difficult, maybe outside of your job description. Man, how how have you handled yourself so well in in those positions? What what do you tell yourself when you're having to pivot, adjust plans on the fly? What what's the message you give to yourself in those moments that could help a lot of our listeners who are often given assignments, maybe last minute? It's 2020. We all make plans and they all get flipped upside down. You know, what, what do you do in those moments when you're responding to last minute requests? Yeah. So in, in my job, to your point, and you, I've, I've probably called you and asked you your thoughts many of times, but um, mm-hmm. it, it happens quite a bit. And what I try to do, um, I say it's twofold. I try to, first of all, be as organized as possible because a I'm a I'm young uh, in mm-hmm. my in my role and I work with a lot of people that are older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, so typically, when you are in that situation, you do have a there's a level of he might be but not be professional or he might not be as organized or on top of things as we we think. There's a perception to it, right? So right. for me, I try to be overly organized and on top of things. If someone has a question, mm-hmm. I already got an answer for it. That's good. And I'd say on the flip side. I try to, and people may find this strange, but if you're an athlete or have been an athlete at any level, you probably understand this. I try to visualize what's about to happen. Mm. So if I go into an event or a game night where I know a lot's going to happen, or maybe there's a celebrity at the game, whatever it might be, I try to visualize what can happen in my potential scenarios and, and responses to these various things. So I try to really dive deep into what I'm going to do similar to when I was in college or in high school going into a game. And I knew that the other team had a really good player. I was going to have to guard or, right. uh, I just, I feel like that's so underrated. And in, in when you prepare for tough assignments or when you know something's coming, that's not going to be easy. You, you mm-hmm. visualize yourself in that uh, position because then you feel like you're a little more ready. So I always feel like I'm prepared even when it may seem like something you could never prepare for. You know, obviously, a lot of the people you work in between work as a go-between 
those people, you're obviously some are in the NBA. Some of them are uh, well-known business people. Obviously, Mark Cuban owns the Mavs. Uh, Sent Marshall is the CEO. You know, when it comes to following people of that magnitude, do you see it as different than someone that's just working for someone that maybe isn't as well-known? Do you feel a pressure in that? And I wonder if there are some listeners that perhaps uh, there's a level of intimidation that exists within their role. And I know when, when we first met, you weren't in that role, but so, so something definitely shifted for you and obviously you were promoted and it was well-deserved and it's awesome. But what, what, what was that shift like? And what is that like following um, in a organization that's owned by Mark Cuban, ran by Sint Marshall, uh, Greg, your direct report, who's awesome. I mean, what's it like following those people who have had some massive success in the business world? And there could be some pressure that comes on your role as, as you represent them. Right. I, I think, uh, I think it's, it's special because, you know, again, when you look at someone that like Mark, who's had unlimited success and obviously is well-respected in so many rooms, um, and along with Sint and, and Greg, you, you feel like a, um, it's someone that when you, when they're speaking, you value whatever advice they're giving. Um, so when they give you a path to something, you feel like, okay, if I follow this path, it probably will lead me down the right route and I'll probably have some success here. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's the first part of it. And then, you know, for me, yeah, there is pressure for sure. When, you know, when you're talking face to face with Mark Cuban, <laughs> about Mm -hmm. certain things you're gonna feel some anxiety but i I think the major thing is and people probably feel the same way so speaking speaking to their boss or maybe the ceo of their company or whatever it may be i think you have to exude that confidence um Mm -hmm. because when you're when you exude the confidence that you are taking control of your job and everything that you handle is definitely taken care of i think that there's less uh, of wanting to micromanage you there's less of um, people not having maybe a lot of confidence in what you're doing. So I right. try to make sure I exude as much confidence in what I'm trying to do. And they, that way I can make sure there's trust there. And then it goes back to the last thing, you know, when you're extremely organized and you can visualize what you're going to do, even when you might go into that conversation with Mark Cuban or Seth Marshall, I think it just adds to it. Cause it's almost like I've already practiced. Here's what right. I'm going to say. If he says this, here's what I'm going to say. If he does this, that way, at least you feel like, man, I've been here before because, yes, you will get intimidated because that's that's literally a billionaire you're talking to. <laughs> right. What have you learned from St. Marshall, who uh, took over uh, as the CEO of the Dallas Mavericks? That was what now? Uh, was that two years ago? Yep. Yeah, two years ago. Um, massive shift, had to change the culture, charismatic leader incredible rallier. I've never, I've never seen a leader rally people better than, than sent the energy she brings to the office is, is incredible. What, what have you learned uh, from, from following a leader like, like sent? Well, what I've learned for sure is the importance of a culture and having someone that breathes, lives it every single day. There's not a day sent just says, eh, I'm not really feeling the culture today. I'm just going to do what I want. Mm. Sent is authentic. And that's actually one of our uh, core values and her authenticity kind of, it, it rubs off on everyone else. And you feel like you need to make sure you're your authentic self. 
And that, mm-hmm. and the beauty of it is her authentic self follows all of the values that she, you know, makes sure that the rest of us follow. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, I think she does a great job of setting a culture. You know, they say like the best coaches like coach K and Cal and all those top college basketball coaches have a program. I feel like uh scent is like John Wooden or something, you know, she's a, right. she's got a program and she knows uh, what it takes to actually create a, a culture within an organization. She's done a great job. I mean, it's night and day. I, I actually came in not too long before scent. And I mean, obviously it wasn't embedded in what the Mavs were before, but what I've seen since um, is night and day and just a, a short time. And we love Scent. She's, she's someone that we all would go to bat for. And we all believe she has our best interest in heart and the best interest, not just for the Mavs, city of Dallas, mm-hmm. people of color, women. Yeah. I mean, just have all these things. So, you know, and she's all in. And that's how I feel uh, all leaders should be. And that's why it's so easy. Whatever she says, it's done because we know that she's asking for a reason. We know it's something that um, has yeah, trust legitimacy. Her. Yes, there's trust, yeah. uh, unlimited trust there. You mentioned you you mentioned culture there. How important do you think it is for a follower to carry culture? Well, it's the most important thing because if you can have a great mm-hmm. coach, um, and I my and just warning to the listeners, a lot of my uh, analogies are going to go back to sports just because that's, <laughs> that's been my whole life. <laughs> right. And Ryan and myself and our conversations about sports. So, oh yeah. So it equates having playing play basketball so long. I just I think of the fact that you don't. It it doesn't really matter uh, how good your star player is if the role Mm -hmm. players don't understand their role Mm -hmm. um, and follow that. Like if that guy's not rebounding, it doesn't matter if that guy's dropping 50, if the other team's getting a bunch of offensive rebounds. So I think that's the key is it has to be believed in by every single person. One through, we have 150 people in in our office. It's got to be 150 people on the same page. And that's, what's incredible is that that's what we have. It it took some time, but that's literally what we have now. And that's why uh, it's so important because, those people touch um, so many different parts of the business. So if there's only one department really thinking that way, then you'd be in trouble because now you're not going to be able to uh, be consistent in your, your messaging and in the the theme of your company. So I think that that's so important. And I I, I'm blessed to say that the Mavs definitely do that. And it starts with that leadership team uh, led by Sint and Mark. Well, did I got one last question for you? I'm going to put you on the spot Uh, and I'm even, I'm even going to, I'm, I'm going to give you, I'm going to ask the question and then I'm going to talk for a little bit to give you some time to think about it. Okay. okay. Sounds good. I want you to give me your preseason prediction of what seed you think the Dallas Mavericks will end up at the end of next season. This is, this is important. Listen, I, I, and I don't expect you to say, I, I know you want to say number one, because this is, this is a public podcast and this is, and, and, and again, they're number one in your heart. I also right. know that you're a realist. Okay. You, you understand, you know, I, I'll, I'll even give you an opportunity to, to throw in uh, a potential trade, a potential signing of a free agent <laughs> to, to be able to add to your credible prediction. So if you, you want to say, Hey, I, I predict blah, blah, blah. We're going to sign so-and-so. This person's going to be healthy. 
and I like Archie. So I'm I'm gonna let you create your whole scenario for all of our listeners, all of our sports fans. I'm sure all of our other listeners probably have turned it off at this point. Doesn't matter because it's you and me right now. So um, I want I want your 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 preseason prediction. Ready, set, go. Okay, so I've thought about this, and uh, I'm going to say I think the Mavs will finish fourth. I think okay. they'll finish fourth. I think, and and now this is very much harping on, I am thinking that Kristaps Porzingis is his normal self. He's healthy. Yep. Dwight Powell's his normal self. I'm, yep. I'm banking on those, and I'm, and I'm thinking that with us having two very high draft picks, normally we don't have high draft picks, Stands mm-hmm. Luca. Um, I I think that the Mavs will either trade those and get a veteran player, or make some good role playing uh, draft picks. You know, similar to like a Jalen Brunson. But I'm saying fourth as the team is constructed now. Um, okay. I'm gonna. I, I think the Lakers will still be up there. Obviously, the Clippers, even though they implode, will probably be up there. And I'd say I'd say Golden State might slide in there. Because they're they're back healthy and they they have the they number are. two pick. Don't I, people don't forget about those guys. Well, yeah, you can't you you can't disrespect the Warriors. We we can't do that. I I like uh, I I've got the Mavs in the the two seat, nice. and the reason I have the Mavs at the two seat is because I believe they will sign the reigning. MVP and defensive player of the year in Giannis. And I believe that that's going to be awesome. If that does not happen, well, we will have to come back on this podcast and give a brand new prediction, my friend. Dude, thank you so much, man, for, for being on followership, man. I I loved, I love our conversation. I love uh, your insight, who you are as a person, as a leader, as a follower and uh, do your good people. You're good people, man, and you do you do really great work and love what the Mavs are doing, love what you're doing. And uh, I just uh, I really just appreciate your time today, man. I absolutely loved my time with my good friend, Brandon. Uh, so, so many things that I wrote down and a couple of things that I want you to be able to take away um, as our listeners, and that's this. This week, I want you to ask yourself, how can you be more confident in your role or your position? You were put there for a reason, you're paid for that position one way or another, maybe you're a volunteer, you were put there for a reason. So how can you walk in confidence in that role? Second thing I want you to think about is do you know the culture of your company well? Do you know the culture of your company well? And are you walking out those values well on a daily basis? And I want you to look for ways that you can display those values in the culture of your company while being your authentic self. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Followership with Ryan Leak. Once again, the show notes from today's episode can be found on ryanleak.com. If you found today's episode to be helpful, if you think it added value to your life, hey, why don't you go ahead and share it with a friend, rate us, review us, five stars is preferred, and please don't forget to subscribe. <laughs>